Welcome to our last day, day five of week three of our look through the New Testament. We come upon 1 Timothy today. Now, I know you're going to listen next week because that's 2 Timothy. And how can you hear 1 Timothy without 2 Timothy? But we'll start this week with 1 Timothy, a book about how to live with power. Now, I know some of you, as you're listening to this, you're brand new to the New Testament. That's why you're listening to it. So your first question is, 1 Timothy, who, who is Timothy? Where do we get that name? Well, 1 Timothy 1, 1 to 2 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul is writing, the apostle, the early leader of the church, he, the, the missionary who went to all the world starting churches. And he says here, he did that by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus our hope. That's who was leading his life. He lived his life as a man under authority, under orders. As a part of following that command, he went on several missionary journeys. He went to a place called Lystra on one of those missionary journeys. Paul was almost killed there. He was almost stoned to death, rocks thrown on him. But he also met Timothy there. And Timothy, in Acts chapter 16, 1 to 3, you begin to read about his story. Lystra, which is present-day Turkey, we see that there he was converted under Paul. And he joined him, began to walk alongside of him in his missionary journeys. And out of that conversion, a new commission happened in Timothy's life. He was commissioned to serve the churches like Paul was serving the churches. That's why Paul calls him my true child in the faith. Now, you, you learn from First and Second Timothy about who Timothy is. You learn that his, grand, his mother and grandmother in 2 Timothy 1.5, Eunice and Lois, taught him scriptures, the Old Testament it would have been, from his childhood. 2 Timothy 3.14 tells us that. Timothy, the name, means honoring God or dear to God. So Timothy was a man whose life was going to fulfill the meaning of his name. He was going to honor God with his life. He was going to live a life that was dear to God. Now, by the way, whether your name is Timothy or George or Linda or Zach, you are a person who is made to honor God. But Timothy uniquely lived out the meaning of his name. When 1 Timothy was written, Paul was in a prison and Timothy was a pastor. In Ephesus, he was leading the church, a church that Paul had invested three years of his life in building. And Timothy becomes one of Paul's greatest friends in ministry. He's, he's my true child in the faith. Timothy was a man who stuck by Paul when no one else would stick by him. They were great friends. They had great differences, but they were great friends. They, they had differences in age, differences in background, differences in temperament. Uh, Timothy was fairly timid, it seems like, as you read the letters. Paul was very bold, but they were also great friends in all those differences. So in, in 1 Timothy, Paul writes to the person probably in whom he'd invested the most, Timothy, regarding Timothy's leadership of the church in which he'd invested the most, Ephesus, staying there three years. And as you read through this book, you find that it's about motivation. It's about where you find the motivation for living a life of faith. Timothy struggled sometimes with motivation. It's obvious from the words that Paul writes to him. Sometimes he wanted to give up when he shouldn't have wanted to give up. Sometimes he wanted to shrink back when he needed to, to step forward. Well, an outline of this book is really it's three specific things that strengthen our motivation in living the life of faith. As you look through the book, it talks about personal encouragement. And encouragement 
That can motivate you to live a life of faith. The book talks about practical instruction. And practical instruction can also be motivating in living the life of faith. You have to know what to do. And then there's powerful direction. There's the powerful direction of this is God's call. This is where to go. That's the powerful call of God being called forth in your life. That is also motivating. So I'd like to take a few minutes to walk through those three things. How you live a motivated life of faith. It starts with personal encouragement. That's in chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. And in these verses, in many ways, as you look through these verses, there are two key words. The word stay and the word serve. 1 Timothy 1.3, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, Paul writes, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. And then down in verse 12 of chapter 1, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. So you stay and you serve. You stay where you are and you serve Jesus Christ. You stay where you are and you serve Jesus Christ. But what if God wants to move me somewhere else? Then he can move you somewhere else. But moving you somewhere else always starts with staying where you are and serving Jesus Christ. To live the motivated life of faith, you often need someone in your life to say, stay and serve. And those aren't always easy words to hear. Stay and serve in that job that you really don't like. Or stay and serve in that marriage that's struggling. Stay and serve when your kids are struggling. You see, many times we miss the blessing of living the motivated life of faith. We lose motivation because we don't stay and we don't serve. I'm not saying that God may not want to move you to a different town or a different job someday. But I am saying that to live a motivated life of faith, you start by staying, you start by serving, and then you see where God moves you. Personal encouragement is part of our motivation. And then practical instruction is part of living a motivated life of faith. Paul gives a lot of instruction about the church and how living in the life of the church and what God has given us in the body of Christ can help us to live with this motivation we need. In chapter 1, verse 18, he writes and says, Timothy, my son, I give you instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. These prophecies came out of the church and Timothy serving in the church. And this instruction that he gives is motivating because it clarifies what we're supposed to do. It clarifies what we're not supposed to do. Now, just in the simplest terms, to Timothy. He's writing to him as a leader of the church. So he says, okay, here's God's instructions for you. You got to lead the church, chapter two. You, you got to evaluate leaders, chapter three. You got to watch out for false teachers, chapter four. You got to respect people, chapter five. That's what it takes to be a motivated leader. Well, some of you, I know you may not be in church, but you want to be a motivated leader in your job. These same four things are true of you. You want to be a motivated leader? Then you got to do the practical things. You got to, you got to lead the company. You got to lead the school. You got to evaluate leaders. That's one of the things that motivated leaders do. You got to watch out for, it was false teachers in the church, but you have to watch out for is false directions. What you got to watch out for is false promises in the business or in the school. And then you got to respect people. You can't live a motivated life of leadership, of doing anything for God without respecting people. And then Paul ends uh, the book of 1 Timothy by talking to him about powerful direction. And powerful direction is also 
motivating. Chapter 5, verse 21, he says, I charge you, keep these instructions. This powerful direction is given to Timothy in chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6 or the middle part of chapter 6. It's given even to slaves, those who were at the bottom of the culture in that day, to let them know that even they could, by God's direction, live a motivated life of faith. It's given about false teachers and how to deal with false teachers. And it's given, this powerful direction is given to the rich, to those who live at the top of society. How about, about how they can live this motivated life of faith? And, and to all of them, he says in different ways, in the sight of God, I charge you to keep God's commandments. We all need in our lives someone who sometimes says to us, charge, here's God's direction. Let's go after it. So let me read for you 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 16, which may be the clearest charge verses maybe in all the New Testament. Here's what Paul writes to Timothy and probably to you today. What does God have to say to you in these words? But you, he writes to Timothy, man of God, flee from all this, the evil ways of the world, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of all kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen nor can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. Now, if you're not motivated by that, I don't know what's going to motivate you. We need someone who says charge, not in their name, but in Jesus' name. We need someone who says this is the direction to take, not in their power, but in his power. And these are the words that you might need today. I'm going to, whatever it is, that's the hill that Jesus has for me to take. So by his strength, by his power, by his motivation, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to keep charging in his name. Let's pray together. Jesus, there's a lot in this life to demotivate us. Things people say, circumstances that we face, the anxieties and fears that are in our own hearts. But above all of that is your voice. Above all of that is your power. Above all of that is what you did on the cross and in the resurrection. We don't want to live a life that's listless and without motivation, that's worried and anxious because of the ways of this world. So we turn our eyes from that right now and we look at you and we hear you say, charge. We see your direction. And Jesus, that's the life we want to live. In your name we pray, amen. Well, next week, we start with Paul's second letter to Timothy, which you might call the last will and testament of the Apostle Paul. <laughs>